back to the Holy Hardwood podcast with Pat and Tony. Your New Orleans Pelicans today sitting at 27 and 21. Pat, it's been a minute since we've uh, hopped on here to have a chat, so it's going to be a good day to kind of pick your brain and kind of see where things are at on your perspective with the team uh, over the last two weeks or so. But uh, just want to welcome you back, and it's it's been a minute for sure, so glad to be getting on here again with you. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, and it's always a good time when we can get together and chit-chat based on you know what we've seen. Like you said, the last couple of weeks have have certainly been interesting. Um, there's been some good moments and some some bad moments. Um, I think the big thing is just how do you you know digest what you've seen and and try to make a calculated you know feedback on what you're actually seeing and can you take away any emotion and and things of that nature and obviously we try to do our best when it comes to that um, game in game out but um, you know the longer you you go into this season and down this path right it seems like what you're seeing is kind of what you're going to get and to expect a sudden change or um, you know improvement from the things that are that are giving this team issues are, are likely to not change over the next, you know, month or two. So certainly an interesting time and um, lots to lots to discuss. Definitely, Pat. And I think you kind of hit hit that one, you know, out of the ballpark. You know, it, it's when you're early in the season and going and watching these games and seeing different trends and, you know, the up and downness of this team. You know, we're over halfway through the season, and like you're saying, it, it, this is kind of the team that you're going to get, fortunately and unfortunately, depending on the things you like or dislike and uh, all that stuff. And I think uh, one of the, you know, bigger issues that, you know, we kind of started at the beginning of the year was just some of Willie Green's coaching, the rotations, uh, some of the, you know, calls he was making late game, the adjustments or the lack thereof adjustments. Um and I think you've really seen that over the last couple weeks where, you know, it wasn't as good in the beginning of the year than kind of at that midway point, like 20 games in. I think, you know, some stuff kind of got hidden just because we had a, a winning streak there for a little bit. And now all the, you know, situations like we're saying, the late game execution and partly on the players uh, for sure to, you know, execute late. But I don't think they've been put into great positions as well. So. I think that's kind of my first takeaway on kind of where I want to avenue uh, this podcast on is just kind of your feelings about Willie Green's coaching, you know, this year as a whole and what you've kind of seen lately from this team. Yeah, and I think that's a good good place to start, right? Um, I would say, you know, we've we've had, you know, an up and down two, three weeks and certainly a lot of different things that you can look at and there's been, you know, different things that have caused this team issue. But I think the most glaring and the most um, consistent is there's just, there's just too many questions on a night to night basis in terms of what's going into decisions that are, that are being made that, you know, end up deciding who's on the floor when and with who and, and things of that nature. And it's like, the longer you go, you almost have to start removing you know, any benefit of the doubt that you give Willie that maybe we did earlier in the year and like, you know, kind of how I started. It's like, this is just who he is and to expect a sudden change or 
um, a different approach, I think is just, it's not very realistic. And I, I think that's, you know, first and foremost, the biggest concern right now. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing to me is, you know, Willie is a younger coach. He, he has, he's been a head coach right now. This is his third, this will be his third full year. Um, obviously we've called out the fact that he's had to navigate some difficulties in terms of battling injuries and, and some of the Zion drama and things of that nature that certainly make it more difficult. But, um, you know, in, in totality this year, this team has been pretty much as healthy as they've ever been since really the main four or five guys have been together on the roster. Um, and this is, I think, in my opinion, the worst job he's done of coaching the group, right? This is the best situation he's had during his tenure in New Orleans. And his night-to-night performance is getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't know if that's just due to the fact that, you know, maybe he doesn't have the ability right now as a coach to juggle having a fully healthy roster, right? When there are two to three guys in a pecking order that need touches or want touches or might think that they're their man or might think that they can provide a solution to help win more games. And I think that that's often overlooked when you look at really good teams and really good coaches is, you know, it's not easy to juggle that dynamic of talent and egos and, and things of that nature in this league. Because to be a top, you know, a top two or three player on a team probably makes you a top 100 player in the world. And to be a top 100 player in the world, you're obviously going to have a level of, um, you know, irresponsible confidence that I think all three of those guys rightfully have. But it just seems like he's not doing a very good job of juggling that. Yeah, I, I think just to go along with that is, you know, you've seen, like you said, this team has been relatively healthy. And I think for me, it just seems that his feel from game to game or in situations, it seems like he kind of freezes or like we've said before, he's going to revert back to his defensive style. Um, You know, recently we saw a game where we were, you know, up against the Celtics eight minutes to go in the game. Uh, We're up eight and there's a timeout and, you know, my feeling is always, okay, that's when you get your the rest of your guys in there, and that's when you put the pedal to the metal and try to take that team out and give them no confidence. They come out, go on a run, it's two minutes later, now it's a tie ball game, the crowd's back in it, and you basically lost the game right from there. So, I mean, it's been very tough to just kind of see those situations game in and game out, especially when they've been those close decisions. You know, we still haven't won a game where there's a point differential of three points. You know, last five minutes of the game, you know, our record continues to be what it is, like three and 12 in close games when it's clutch time. So it's just it's just hard to see for a team that's just so talented and then they just keep getting hung up by this. Um, another trend that I've kind of been seeing, uh, like you said, how he's, you know, miss, you know, I guess interpreting these these stars that we have and there's this pecking order is since the beginning of the year, you know, your Brandon, your Zion, their production won and their, you know, shot attempts or quality has gone down. So at the beginning of the year, they were at a set amount and the last, you know, two or three months, Brandon and Zion's attempts have gone down. CJ's has stayed around the same the whole year consistently. You know, your Herb Joneses, your Jonas Valanciunas's, and then some of your guys off the bench, you know, those guys are getting more opportunity where, 
it's kind of that kumbaya offense and good and great when you're winning the games and you're making shots and all that stuff, but it just seems like they get hung up whenever there's those really good teams like we've seen, like the the Denvers, the OKCs, the Milwaukee's. Like it just doesn't work against those types of teams. And I think it's really put them in a, you know, deficit as of late because uh, they're trying to play this team-oriented offense and everyone gets, you know, looks and touches and, you know, good and great, like I said, again, when it's all rolling for you. But that's just not the nature of the beast in the NBA. Um, I'm a believer of you have to have your star and your next guy. Those have got to be your pecking order. And whatever comes after that, that's what people get. Um, that's not to say that Brandon or Zion shouldn't share the ball or anything like that, but you have to have a clear motive going into each of these games, you know, this last however many 35, 38 games that you have left in the season. And I think that's more beneficial for this team than anything. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good little nuggets right there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you raised the point of you know their record in closed games and their performance against good teams down the stretch and things of that nature. And and to me alone, I think that's that's pretty telling, right? I mean, this has been a team that routinely in the past two years, despite these injuries, have always matched up pretty well against the, the best teams in the league. They've they've done an, you know I would imagine if the, you looked at the stats, they probably were about average in closing out games. Um, but we certainly weren't struggling at this level. And that was with less talent on the floor and less options to go to. Um, and now you're seeing this year, for the most part, they've had all three guys together. They've had a healthy roster for the most part. And they're struggling more than ever down the stretch of these games when in reality, it, it shouldn't be that difficult, right? I mean, the more options that you have and, um, you know, the different styles you can go to when you have a guy like um, B.I., Zion, or C.J., um, it shouldn't be that difficult to close out games, right? Now, not saying that, okay, it has to go to this guy every single night because obviously defenses are going to change your approach and force you to do things that you sure, you probably don't want to do. But it's not as if they don't have a, a level of talent to the fact that they can't even, that they can't win half of these games, right? I'm not saying, okay, well, they should they should win, you know, eight out of ten games that are a two-point game. Like, that, that's very difficult to do. But to, to win zero of them, I have a hard time finding, okay, it's just on the ta- just on the guys, right? Just on the players. Because I've seen these guys in the past, whether it's Brandon alone or Brandon and CJ or Zion and CJ or Brandon and Zion without CJ. Like, I've seen it enough times to say, like, they can close a game. They can win a game down the stretch that it's a that it's a two, three, four-point game with, with four minutes to go. Like, they've shown me the ability to do that, at least at an average amount. And, and to now just not be able to do it whatsoever, not one time halfway through a year, is very odd to me and I think that it's just I think you just kind of have to call it how you see it I think the best version of Willie was whenever he was able to kind of sell this we're going to band together because we're, we're we're injured we're compromised we don't have enough guys on the floor we don't have talent he was able to kind of be that you know he was the guy that was able to keep everything even keeled which helped that group as they were trying to survive that but as you've seen him have an influx of talent and him having to manage um expectations and um you know giving responsibility to certain guys like you said there there really isn't a hierarchy it's just kind of whoever has it has it going and i think to be honest a lot of that has to stem from the fact that that's probably his messaging because that's the easiest thing to say right i mean it it doesn't put a lot of stress on him 
you know, three through 13, if he says, oh, well, whoever has it going, we're going to get them shots. If you've got it, if you've got a good look, take it, which is true in some aspect. But like you said, in reality, you're only going to go as far as your top two guys take you. Whoever you think those two top two guys are, it, I don't really care. And it really doesn't matter, right? Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But if they can't get you to the place that you're trying to get to, then it's irrelevant because, you know, role players aren't going to get you into the playoffs. Role players aren't going to single-handedly win series for you. Um, it has to be your top one or two guys. And right now it's just it's too much of – um, like you, you've said, right, it's too much equal opportunity and it's just it doesn't really seem like there's a strategic focus in, you know, these are our two guys and wherever the rest of the shots come, they'll come. And I think that's a lot of the problem. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that I don't think he wants to have those conversations because rightfully so, it's going to upset people. It's going to it's going to ruffle feathers. Right. A guy like CJ is not going to be happy to hear like, OK, you're you're you are permanently taking a backseat like you, you are not one of these top two guys we are not building this franchise around you you've got to take a step back you need to take on more responsibility in terms of playmaking and taking care of the ball and managing the game like that is now your job you know a guy like Trey Murphy right now probably doesn't want to hear that because he felt like he's coming off of a big year last year he's he had the injury he was ascending and he's trying to find himself right and that's harder to do when you have less shots and left less opportunity but that's just the reality. That's the, like you said, nature of the beast. And I think he is just unwilling to have those difficult decisions because it's not in his nature. He's a very mild mannered guy. Um, he, he doesn't get very emotional. Um, and I think you have to have some of that and um, you got to be a little bit of a, and I think a lot of you also have that the confidence to do it, right? You have to have the, the wherewithal to understand, like, I'm going to take some pushback from this, but ultimately it's the right thing to do. And we can't get to where we're trying to get to without, pushing these buttons and making these decisions. And I don't think he has the, the self-confidence as a coach to be willing to take on that risk, right? I think he feels more comfortable just playing it safe, playing, you know, a little bit over 500 basketball, doing this, and where the wherever it shakes out, it shakes out. So um, to me, that's a, that's a big issue with, with the identity of kind of the, the makeup of the team. And there certainly are some issues in terms of just like the build of the roster that doesn't make it super easy because you have a lot of like um, a lot of guys that their skills overlap each other. Right. You have a lot of guys that do the same stuff. And, and that certainly makes it different to like branch out from each guy. But, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's a big issue right now with with Willie and not one that I'm overly confident is going to be turned around because that's just like a big picture conversation right I haven't even touched on the things that you mentioned in terms of like his game management um, it seems like he's always a couple possessions late to really being able to feel the game is shifting and and stopping the bleeding and it's just I, I haven't been very impressed with Willie this year and um, ultimately we'll have to see where this shakes out right it's a contract year for him he has contracts up he would need an extension going into next year um, so I mean I think regardless there, there's going to be a big decision to be made it's either you're going to recommit to Willie and he's going to be your guy probably for the next couple more years or you're going to have to go in a different direction and find a new guy. From my perspective, Pat, I mean, it's, it's to that point where it's like, he's either going to step up and this team is going to get on a roll here and everything. But, you know, like you're saying with all the deficiencies, like you just, you just can't know because like, this is just kind of who he is. This is kind of how the team is. And my biggest thing looking at the team is, it's kind of like a maturity thing. Like they can have these good games where they score 140, 
hit all these threes or playing the way they want to play, but then the next game it's a total dud against a good team. You know, then after that they play really, really well and bounce back, which is, you know, really good that they have at least that part as a team of when they get knocked down, they usually bounce right back up uh, in that next game. And I don't know, you just always see the, you know, well-coached teams and mature players after playing a little bad, it's not like, okay, we're going to let two, three, four slide where we kind of saw this past week where, you know, we kind of got hit in the mouth. Then it led into another game. It led into another game. Those great teams and those well-coached teams, they bounce right back up and then they get on a, you know, four, five, six game winning streak right from there. And I think that's just the missing part. You know, we have all the talent in the world, I think, to succeed at the level in the NBA. It's just been these little things here and there that's been going on all year. And, you know, I, I like to say I would love to see the team get into, you know, closer games. But at the end of the day, like if you can't figure out now halfway through the year how to finish out games or close out games, like that's that's a real issue because it either seems they're either winning really big or getting blown out. And then on the occasion when it's that close game, even when they've been up, like that Boston game, they were up 17, same old story. Team comes back, they lose the momentum, lose a close game late. So it's it's been a roller coaster for sure, um, you know, on that front. Yeah, and I think that's a good jumping off point and a good segue into, I guess, maybe another talking point over the last couple, right? I think we're in agreement. I think right now the stock is about as low as it possibly could be with Willie. Um, you know, it's up to him to see what he what he does and if he's willing to not only make a change but commit to a change because there's been times where he's flirted with making adjustments, but he always reverts back to making a poor decision and, and going with what he's most comfortable with, which ultimately isn't the, the best decision for this team to succeed. So I think we're in agreement there that, you know, if it were me, I wouldn't have Willie back next year. I think I've seen kind of what his ceiling is, at least at this point of his career. And I don't have the time to sit around and wait for him to to mature as a coach and, and, and maybe um, evolve in these areas and grow and improve. Like maybe he does that down the line two, three, four years from now. Um, but I, I just don't have the time on my current timeline to, to wait around for that. So I would have to be in the market for a different coach. But I think starting there is I think there's there's some serious issues in terms of um, you know you made the comment that you think this team is you know very talented and you know at least talented enough to compete at a, a very sustainable high level in the league but I, I don't know that I, I've that's changed for me it, it goes back and forth and I think um, it shouldn't be that difficult to move to stay as confident in the fact if they do have enough talent or not. Like, it shouldn't change night to night based on what I'm seeing. Now, they can play bad or they can be, you know, um, not committed to one end of the floor or whatever it be, might be, but it, I don't see that high-end talent that maybe once was discussed or once was mentioned. And I think that's that's part of the problem, right? And a lot of that stems probably from the fit that you would you would categorize the more talented guys on this team their fit just doesn't go well together. Um, and so for me, that's that's a big issue, not one that I foresee being changed this during the season at the deadline that's approaching. I believe it's next Wednesday or Thursday. So, you know, less than a week away. I don't see major changes coming there, but um, I've kind of, I've seen this play out now. I've seen them healthy. I've seen them have supporting cast members play enough around them that it's time for me to move off of the 
the the big three as you want to say right i and there's different ways you could slice that and different approaches and different versions of that but i i'm i'm to the point where i'm ready to move off of that yeah i think that's an interesting discussion to have and kind of piggyback on you saying that maybe the the talent level you might not see as much anymore i think like the biggest thing is one like you're saying the three just doesn't fit together and you've seen it enough times where you know there's a deficiency here or there depending on if if it's offensively or defensively with those three guys them operating kind of in the same space um but i think a big thing that's kind of hurt this team is just the 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 regression of Trey Murphy, you know, hitting a really tough stretch here in the season and not been really shooting the ball well since he came back from that injury. He had maybe a, you know, a week and a half, two week stretch when he first came back where he was pretty solid, but you know, ever since then he's been in a real struggle and you know, I think he is obviously the X factor of this whole group where he has the high end capabilities like we saw at the end of last year where you're like, "Okay, we have the guy that could maybe replace CJ as that next guy on the team. And, you know, with him being in this kind of rut that he's having, it, it's just making it that much tougher, you know, for this team to succeed at that level. And so it's, it's very hard, you know, to talk about that. And, you know, you hate it for a guy like him who was on that great progression and then ends up getting hurt and just seems like he hasn't found his groove. So, but I think, you know, all in all, Trey Murphy is an X factor for this team and makes them that much better. And, you know, that, that hasn't been the case. And I think that's where you've seen some of the struggles this year with the team. Yeah. And Trey's an interesting case. Um, for me, it's not, I'm not even really concerned with the shooting. Um, it's bound to happen. You know, guys who are shooters, they go through slumps, it happens. And, you know, most of the time they always come out of it and, and things shake out to be fine. But it's it's the other stuff with Trey. I haven't seen enough of a jump in terms of, um, you know, just, just his feel. Pretty much, I mean, if he catches the ball and he can't shoot the ball on a catch and shoot, it's now gotten to the point where it feels like a dead possession to me. Um, it seems like he's taken a step backwards in his ability to put it on the floor. And maybe some of it is, um, you know, from that knee injury. And, you know, certainly don't want to you know, don't want to mention guys' injuries and say, oh, well, they're not as bad as they are. But, you know, it is shocking to me that it is taking as much time for him to ramp back up. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't an ACL. It wasn't a, you know, 12-month injury. It was a rather short turn turnaround injury, right? I believe it was only, what, like six weeks, like a month, a month and a couple of weeks. Like, it's it wasn't to the extent where it felt like he should have taken um, – as many steps backwards as it seems like he has. And that certainly is concerning to me, especially him being in a contract year, right? Like, you know, coming into this year. I thought, it was, I thought it was very strange too. Like he came back and was playing pretty normal minutes and stuff. And then like halfway through, then now he's been on a minutes restriction for like a month. Yeah. I think he that, was that's with, a little odd to me too. Yeah. And I think he was dealing with some tendonitis, what they say is, is typical, right. Based on the injury that he had, but Again, that's, that doesn't go in the positive column, right? That's not a good thing, regardless of if it's normal or not. It's, it's, it's deterring him from playing the way that he wants to play. And I think he came into this year as a guy that you would have deemed, you know, almost a cornerstone, at least into the future. And, like, I found myself 
I, I'm closer to being able to put him in deals if I think it, it improves his team drastically just because of the, you know, the emergence of a guy like Hawkins where you're not as committed to Trey as a shooter, although it's great to have both of them if they're both playing the way that they typically play. But I also understand that, like, you have to give up things to improve the roster and, and do that. And he's he's not in a point where, for me, he's a, a no discussion, like, he's – He's an untouchable guy. Like, if the right deal comes across, um, you know, based on his performances this year and a contract year looming, um, I would move him for the right price. Um, you know, you're you're a couple months removed from – he's going to be asking for um, near the max, if not the max, right? The first contract max, it's going to put him around $30 million a year. And it's – the way he's playing right now, that could put you in a very, very tricky position. Um you know he he's been a good player for two three years, but I don't think I don't think he's been a incredible player. Um, I think he's had spurts, and I think he probably has a body of work that's maybe a month to two months of like really solid basketball. But even I think at his apex, he wasn't a max player. He just was projecting to potentially be a max player based on his skill set. But we have not seen anything close to that in like time is ticking, right? And I don't think he's going to be a guy like Herb that you're going to kind of get at a hometown discount. Like he's going to want to get every dollar that that he can get, right? Right? You know, rightfully so. Can't can't hate him for that. But that's a very big commitment, and um, one that certainly becomes a lot more difficult to deal with if you get to the point where you do sign him to that contract. So, not not to say I think they're shopping him, but. I don't think they're turning down calls if if a guy like uh you know that's been floating a Lowry Markinen or something of that nature, right? Uh, an All Star caliber player now. If if you can flip a guy like Trey for him, I, I think that I think that they should seriously consider that. Um, and then we'll have to see. But um, a lot of it just comes from those main three, and you can and you can throw JV in there a little bit, but nowhere near as much as those three. Those three really drive the identity of of what this team's going to do, and um, I think there's I think there's got to be some shake up there, um, in my opinion. I really do. Yeah, it's it's like you said, you have enough of a sample size now because the the thing was that these guys hadn't been playing. You know, there was combinations of CJ and Bi and you know, CJ and Zion without BI. And now the three of them have basically been playing and they're pretty much a 500, you know, basketball team. And, and that's very concerning. And like you said, I I mean, if it's offensively them being in the same space, but defensively, um, you know, I haven't been too impressed with our defense as of late as well. And I, I just don't really know the direction that that's going in. Yeah. We're, you know, rated, our defensive rating is like top five, top eight or something like that. And it just seems like it's been easier and easier for teams to get what they want as of late. And so I haven't been impressed with that, but yeah, I mean, I don't really even think that anybody on this team is untouchable. I mean, in your eyes, what would you, do you think there's a guy or a couple guys on this team that would be considered untouchable? I mean, I think everybody's, Everybody's touchable, right? I mean, I think it's just like how realistic is is it that you trade them? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that isn't based on their production. It's more just like time and place. Like, like I don't think I don't think it's likely any three of those guys get moved at the deadline. Um, 
obviously like if you're looking at it strictly from a basketball perspective and not from a like locker room or intangible or this guy's a grown up or whatever it is like i i think i think for sure i think see the cj experiment has run its course um i think a lot of a lot of what you're seeing in terms of and, and it's not it's not his fault right like it, Brandon and Zion haven't done a good enough job on their own to take the mantle from him. And part of it is that like, he still, he still feels like he needs to play that role and they haven't taken it, but they want it. So like, there is some back and forth there that you can't put solely on him. Right. Because they, they've needed him to play at a certain rate to be competitive. But I, I just think that CJ has too much on his plate. He wants to have too much on his plate. He feels like he's having probably a career year in his mind, you know, his shooting splits and things of that nature. And it's not about his production in terms of that. It's just he squashes the opportunities and the responsibilities that you should be taking and putting onto those other guys. And, and right, it's just it's not a good fit. He, he's, he has done a great job of shooting the ball. But at that guard spot, if you still want to maintain a lineup with a Herb Jones, right? Like, and a JV um, or whichever direction you would go, you would imagine you probably aren't going to get more shooting at the five. Um, even if you made a deal, it would probably be more defensive versatility and athleticism and things of that nature, right? You've needed to have shooting at the one, which is part of the reason why it's, it's, it's more difficult to remove him from it just because of the spacing aspect. But in terms of being a playmaker, valuing the ball, dictating pace, um, you know he's done a very poor job this year, um, and I think that's I think that's the numbers would back that up, right? Um, and it's just I'm not bought into the CJ thing. I think I've seen enough of it again. I've seen kind of who he is. It's it's very similar to the Portland days where, you know, you flip on a game because you don't watch very many Portland Trailblazer games and he has one of these games where he has 29 and you're like, man, CJ's, he's a good player. And not to say he's not a good player, but I don't think he's an impactful player. You know, he has games where he'll have 33 and he'll make seven threes and then you just look back and you're like, well, it, just, it didn't really feel like he had an impact on the game. You know, and, and that, that I struggle with. I think also with him, you, you struggle with positional size with the current group. You know, CJ is undersized. Zion is undersized for their position. So already there, you're, you're facing some, some difficulties that just you have to manage because of the construction of those three. Um, so for me, I think that that would be the most likely thing um, just due to the fact that, you know, Zion is a high enough and talent and still young enough that I would imagine you don't push the eject button on it right away. Um, so I think CJ would be the first one out just because I think it gives you more clarity, right? Like I would rather take a step back and like, in terms of not needing a third 20 point score, but as long as I had more clarity in defined roles in terms of guys in that starting lineup, I think that that would be more beneficial because it allows everybody to kind of understand what their role and responsibility is each and every night. And then when that isn't done, like then you have a clear way to say like this person isn't getting this done or this guy isn't doing his job. And I think that's important when you have too much of the same and it isn't like clear what my responsibility is every single day, it gets too easy to kind of like float in and out of like, not focus, but like aggressiveness and um, you know, things of that nature. Right. I think if you don't have a CJ there, you don't see Zion and Brandon take a step back in terms of, Oh, I'm not as locked in tonight or I don't feel like I need to be as aggressive or take on as much responsibility. And I think that that really hurts them. 
yeah, from my perspective, that that's kind of bringing everything all together. And I'll just make the one last point on this this kind of issue is, you know, the really great teams and, and the coaches, going back to a coach, like they define roles from day one. And those are going to be the roles that those players, you know, are working on throughout the whole year. Yeah, given injuries, your role might change a little bit. But all the good teams, their players from 1 to 15 know exactly what their role is day in and day out. And I believe the Pelicans guys, one day it's this, one day it's next, one day it's that, like, and no one has a clear defined role of, like we're saying, there's there, there's not that hierarchy. It's the, you know, good to say, hey, we're going to win as a team, you know, lose as a team. We're going to do this as a team. That's good and great, and it's good motto. But if you don't have any clear defined roles of saying, Brandon, Zion, you're our number one guy, you're our number two guy, and however you would want that, everything's going to be running through you, and then everybody else, you know, picks up where they can, and you define, okay, Herb, this is what you do. This is what you do, Jonas. This is what you do, CJ. And I think there's just been too many, you know, game in and game out, day-to-day stuff where our guys don't know what their role should be. Yeah, and I, I, I see that too, and I think, like, a lot of it is, like, you would love to say, yeah, these guys are our one and two, and that's the response. But the problem is it stems with CJ, right? As soon as they start, you know, passing the ball to CJ and drawing to, and he starts hitting shots, he's not fine and comfortable with staying in that role as a, a spot-up shooter or floor spacer. As soon as he gains confidence, rightfully so, then he starts taking on more responsibility, which then nerfs them and takes the ball out of their hands. And, and that's part of the problem. It's not as if he's a bad player. It's just it doesn't fit. And I think... I think that's okay, right? Like, it's okay to say that, like, at the time of when they got the deal, they needed sustainability and, and stableness, and, and he provided that. But I don't think you have to act like three years later, it's still the right fit. It's not. So um, that's what I would say. And, and then after that, then you have a bigger discussion about the other two. But that's where I'm at. Um, he he's he's the one that I feel like is kind of the, the odd odd guy out for me, and you just have to see how you retool things and and what comes available. But I mean, at some point you have to make a change and you have to start, you know, spending some assets because you're they're they're depleting, right? Like that war chest gets smaller and smaller each season that you sit on them and wait for them. So um, you kind of have to do what you can do now, and that's what I think will happen in the off season. I don't know who that'll be, but I would expect some major changes at the top. So, yeah, I mean that's that's the question, and like you said, there's probably nothing that happens immediate uh, by any chance. Uh, just wanted to hit one other point, and then we can just move on. And you know, it it kind of goes with everything and how the Pelicans play, and you know, maybe a little bit with coaching and how we're saying there's this kind of jam here at the top but when when you have you know Brandon Ingram you know 45th in the NBA in you know shot attempts per game and Zion's not even in the top 50 and then you know CJ's closely behind Zion I mean that is your big issue where there's role players on other teams or like a sixth or seventh man getting more shot attempts per game than your two main guys I mean Granted, it's difficult to get Zion, you know, 18 layups a night just because he doesn't shoot, you know, outside perimeter shots. But I don't know. I just feel like that the, the best 
way to move this team forward is you have to have your guys being aggressive and that's partly on them but you know you're not going to be winning too many ball games and succeeding far in the playoffs if you know your two main guys are shooting you know 14 15 times a night yeah but again part of that stems from the fact that guys are, are wrongfully slated on the team you can't you the reason that this is why big threes typically don't work because it's hard to find a balance there and it's very difficult to, to keep that balance on a night in night out basis, right? Like you look around the league, there aren't very many big threes, like true big threes. And if there are say Phoenix, like if you want to call that a big three, the reason that that's able to work is because they have such a drop off when you go to the bench, right? Their rotation guys have such a drop off and have such a smaller plate of responsibilities that then those guys are still able to find enough shot attempts a night. And, and, and it, it, you don't deal with this like, and I'd be interested where, where the Phoenix guys sit in that number of, of shot attempts um, per game. You know, I think you said Brandon was 45th. Like where do those guys sit? But part of the problem is CJ shouldn't be lit. He isn't a part of a big three. He shouldn't be listed as a big three person, right? That, that, that's outside of what he's capable of truly doing. Now, is he a good player? Sure. But he's 30-something years old and has never made an all-star game. Like, he's not a member of a big three. He's a good player, but that, that's it. But also the problem is you have guys that you still like in your rotation and guys that are, that are role players, a Trey Murphy, a Jordan Hawkins, right? Like, those guys still also need to take shots, and they want shots. There's just not enough to go around. So something has to change. You have to either, like I said, couple the role players together and go and get an additional top-level player, or you've got to move CJ out for a guy that has a better fit and his, I don't know, I would imagine it's probably what, like 12 to 14 shots a night? Is that, 14. is that, what is it? CJ's around 14 and a half. Yeah, so 14, 15 shots a night. If now you're then pulling out of that 14 or 15, four to five shots a night, though, are getting split to Brandon, they're each getting four or five extra shots a night, and then you're spreading those extra five throughout the rest of the rotation, then it's fine because then you have balance. Then you have, this is this is where our bread is buttered, right? Like a Boston. This is where you have a Jalen and Jason. And then after that, then it, it kind of sprinkles down, right? There, there's not a night where Jason is going to shoot the ball seven times. That's just not going to happen, right? I mean, you have to, you, you can't have that much. And I think it's because, They've done a good enough job of drafting that like Trey is a high enough caliber player and so is Hawkins that they they need the shot attempts, but CJ's also not good enough to like take away from those. They're too close. They're too close in terms of talent. There's not a big enough difference, so they all feel entitled to the same amount of workload and just makes it way too scattered across, right? I mean, we've seen it. The games where they've had more shot attempts, Brandon Zion, regardless if they've played great or not, but they play at a better rhythm. They know where they're getting their shots from. They know the spots on the floor they need to get to. It's not just like, okay, I've shot. Now I'm going to go be dormant for, for four or five minutes because I don't know when the next one's coming to me. It's just, it's not sustainable over 82 games. And that's where you get these massive ups and downs is like, yeah, they look great because everybody got into a rhythm and everybody got to their spots that they're able to be productive. And they, they win a game and look really good. And then the next game, they look terrible and they can't score offensively. It's because there's too much differential. If they had the same responsibility every single night, yes, they would still lose games, but it would be it would be a a consistency to it, and that's where it feels like they're lacking a level of consistency. And I think the only way you gain consistency is by gaining clarity, and by gaining clarity, the only way you're going to do that is 
is creating a structure that 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 makes it very clear what everybody's role and responsibility is. And I think that that's what they need to do. Yeah, I don't think you could have said it, you know, any better than that. And I'll just, you know, I brought up the, or you brought up the Phoenix Suns guys, and I'll just put those stats up there for you. I mean, Devin Booker, he's top eight in field goal attempts at right around 20 a game. Uh, Kevin Durant slowly behind or, you know, right behind him in 12th in the NBA at 19.2 field goals a game. And like you're saying, it's it's a different big three over there just because of what Phoenix has on the outside of that. And Bradley Beal as this so-called, you know, third option on this team, he's having, you know, 13.9 or say 14 shot attempts a game. But then the other guys on their team, you see it, you know, three attempts, four attempts, you know. And, and that's just kind of the model that you look at these good teams where – you're saying a Jason Tatum isn't going to into a game and saying, hey, I'm only shooting seven times. Like, I think it's pretty criminal for the Pelicans to go into a game or multiple games and then say, oh, well, we're just fine with Zion shooting this amount. Or we saw a lot in January. We, we're, we're fine with Brandon only taking, you know, eight to 12 shots. And that's kind of what he averaged in January. I think that's just a disservice to him and their talents and their skill levels on basically making them now just any Joe Schmo kind of just they're, know, they're, I mean, they're the turning him into role players. players. Like, I mean, Everybody's playing exactly, role, as like, role players. Like, like you, you've clearly seen, you know, Zion play at a level before in his career or Brandon at a level, but the fact that he's playing the way that he's playing right now, like that is just a disservice to both of their talents and abilities. And it, it and it shouldn't happen. And that, that's just how I feel about it. I think you have your best opportunities when you have, <clears throat> say, hey, it might not be 20 and 19 attempts that they're getting, but what they're doing right now is just not good enough. They have to be north of 17, you know, 18. Like, 18's fine in my eyes for Brandon to shoot a night. You know he's going to, you know, the more he shoots, you know, statistically, he gets better. The less he shoots, he, he kind of seems he's not in a good rhythm. He's not, you know, into the game, so on and so forth. But, you know, I think that's kind of like the biggest thing that they might need to turn away from or try to figure out these next, you know, set of games before hopefully you can get into a playoff spot and have that all figured out. But you can't just, like anything, just snap of the fingers and say, oh, it's the playoffs. Now we want Zion and Brandon to play like this because it'll be two months of, okay, we're not being aggressive. And then that just throws everything off. Yep. I think, uh, I think we agree on it. And I think, uh, we agreed on a lot of things and I think that those are the two, the two big issues that they're facing and, and they're not issues that are going to fix themselves, which is a gift and a curse, right? You have the ability to make changes that, that kind of force change and force resolution. Um, so we'll just have to see if they go that route or if they stand pat. And I would imagine you're going to see, um, you know, pretty much the same thing from from here until the end, and it'll kind of wrap up in a in a disappointing manner, and and a feel like an opportunity that you let slip away. So, um, interested to see where where they take this, and and where it wraps up, and what decisions are made. But that's at least where where I lie on these, and and that's what I think should be done. So, that's really all that can be said at this point. Yeah, Pat, uh, couldn't agree more with what you're saying, and. You know, I'll just 
you know, say this before we kind of end things off. Um, I guess I would ask you, do you think that there's possibly going to be a trade or something, you know, around the edges that happens for this team? But before you answer that, you know, this is kind of the dog days of the season. I get it. You know, players are already looking at that all-star break and everything like that. But I think this is a vital opportunity for the Pels, you know, especially their next, you know, 9, 10, 11 games where you have a little softer of the schedule. But again, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed with this team. You look at the schedule and the teams that you have coming up and you would like to think like, hey, you know, this is an opportunity where in the next 10 games you can go 8-2. and two. There's no reason why you shouldn't. You know, you probably have the better team in eight out of those ten matchups. But, again, that's why you play the game and that's why you show up. And, you know, you just really hope that this team is mature enough before this all-star break to, you know, handle their business here, um, especially with the San Antonio Spurs. But after that, uh, the next week or two, you have a you know, little bit of a softer schedule, like I said. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how mature this team can be and, where they can go from there and hopefully get a little bit of a, a rhythm and, you know, win streak going, going into the uh, all-star break. Yeah. Um, agreed with, with the, um, you know, opportunity that's at hand um, to, to get some games back and they got to take care of business, business to do so. Um, but like you said, we don't know how that's going to play out. We have just to sit back and see um, how they perform. And then to the to the point of the trade, I would imagine something very minor will be done. And to be honest, it, it, it doesn't even matter. Um, it It's not going to have any impact um, on the real issues at hand. And if anything, it might even make them more um, convoluted depending on who that individual is that's brought in, right? It might even be, be an extra guy that you feel like you have to get shots for. And, and it just creates, um, you know, less less of a hierarchy than we already have, which would obviously be very detrimental, so... I don't know um, if it were me. Um, I would see that I've positioned myself in a pretty good spot right now, all things considered. I have a chance to make a, a somewhat of a run and push myself into the playoffs here, and I've got the assets to do it. And if it were me, I would I would make a bigger move. But that's why I'm sitting here talking to you, and I'm not pulling the strings. So. Yeah, no doubt about it, Pat. You know, it's always good getting on here and, you know, talking a little bit, chopping it up, uh, you know, about our New Orleans Pelicans. Like we always say, you know, I love being a fan, but it's also frustrating at the same time when you see the mistakes over and over again. And you just want to see this team succeed. And, you know, I think they've, they've got some of the tools to do that. It's just, you know, some some decisions need to be made for sure. But always love getting on here with you and just chatting it up. Yep. Couldn't have said it. Absolutely. All right. This has been the Holy Hardwood Podcast with Pat and Tony. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you in the next one.